It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, one and all, to another big edition of Reliving the War, live and exclusive here on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. My name is Nims Zort, joined as always by my tag team partner, Simon Tackler. We go through all of the Monday Night Wars. We're into 1999. And Simon, we, well, WCW started on such a high when we first started doing this podcast, but we're really watching them just fall into the abyss. We really are. Uh, we are at the tail end, realistically, of their entire existence here, where, you know, sort of in the later half of 99. They've only got a year and change left to exist. The show's a a scramble for the most part of them trying anything and everything. Month to month, because we're not watching the shows in between, um, these pay-per-views barely connect together. It feels like in the four weeks between every show, they must be changing course so often because people that are heels are faces on the next show and vice versa and People have new gimmicks and new stables, and then they turn on them by the time we're two shows away from it. Nothing is sustained anymore. It's it's really strange. And look, we've also come to a great realization in the what are we up to? Uh, we're up to September now. When it comes to, so we're more the more than half the year is gone in 1999, and we've come to the realization that we must have had the the TV was brilliant back the, uh, back in that era. Pay-per-views, not so much. Yeah. Even if the TV shows were still entertaining, these pay-per-views from WCW for almost a year now have been inconsistent. There's been a few highlights, a few gems in there, but for the most part, it feels like they don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. So let's launch straight into WCW Full Brawl 1999. Um, the video package that starts it off is all about who can you trust. It's all about Sting, Hogan, and Lugum. They're all at odds with each other. And this is one of the better video packages that WCW put together. I reckon I'm just going to put that out there because we're used to the the year 12 media tripe that they put out. But I reckon this one actually filled the narrative pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say that too. This one actually had a story. You had sound bites from the wrestlers. You knew what the, the story was going into the show for a change. And you even had a voiceover from their you know, voiceover guy who would do all their ads. So at least it felt like there was some stakes here and you could follow it along if you hadn't watched every episode of Nitro. We knew it's about Sting and Hogan and Lex Luger in the middle and who can trust who. At least we've got you know a reason to watch the main event. Yeah, very simple pro wrestling there. We then go back to the desk to start off the pay for you as they do their regular stop down and run through the card. And the thing that stood out to me was they did a WCW hotline, sh- uh, a hotline shell. No mean Gene Oakland. I thought that was weird too. I thought mean Gene wasn't going to be on the show, but he is on the show later. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe it's a positive because again, 
instead of going from a video to the announce desk to Mean Gene, they cut Mean Gene, they just show the number on the screen, and then they go to a match. Although they mm-hmm. do go to a video package first. Yeah, very much so. It's, we started with a vignette about the insane clown posse versus the filthy animals feud that's been happening. Uh, so essentially, ICP and Vampiro are sort of a little mini mini alliance here at the moment they're up against the early formings of the filthy animals eddie ray and kidman conan's still not a part of the stable he doesn't pop on till a bit later in 99 but um it, it basically covers the icp and animals feud and again i thought this brought you up to speed because i guess you, you started off saying simon that they were going month to month maybe that's why they put effort into the, the video packages this time around because it's like, dude, people are going to be confused as hell if they start watching. <laughs> That's a good point. They finally started doing video packages for virtually every match so it gets you up to speed because otherwise you'd have no idea based on what happened a month ago. Although this is a match that does continue. This is a rematch from uh, Road Wild, the ICP mm-hmm. and Vampiro versus, you know, what is the Filthy Animals um the thing about the video package that was a little jarring as usual from this era hearing eddie guerrero with his real accent yeah just with his normal american accent not the put on you know uh cheech cheech and chong like style to... accent for latino yeah, hate. latino hate this one sounds like a dude that would regularly be like walking in a walmart yeah but, um i was actually Although, really actually, impressed i will say you said conan wasn't there but he was there in spirit because the filthy animals are using psycho as yeah. their theme song, which I love. That's the best out of all of Conan's uh, discography. They, 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 when they do become the filthy animals, when disco joins in, there's a new, there's like the, the third of Conan's themes that, uh, that also has Ray Mysterio singing on it as well, I think. Oh, okay. But, uh, I can't wait for that. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to that in 2000 because it's just so weird. That's where they have that, the, the entrance where they all start up as silhouettes and then the curtain drops and then they come out. <laughs> which is kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, so that's something to look forward to next year. Um, so Rey Mysterio, he kind of looks like Stan from the Eminem video clip here because you f- it's a real sign of the time that he's got the bleach blonde hair <laughs> and yeah. the jeans. It's September 1999, so having short bleach blonde hair is all the rage. Um, Bobby Heenan says Kidman and Rey Mysterio address the same. He says, if you put a light in their closet, that wouldn't happen, which is so <laughs> stupid, but great heel commentary. Also, during the entrance for the ICP, again, two months in a row, they're talking about how Vampiro has a history in the music business. I Googled again. I swear I can't find a single thing. The only thing I found this time was that he was a bodyguard for Millie Vanilli, which I suppose yep. is working in the music industry. Um, I, I also, why not I also make noticed, it up like they did for Test? He was the bodyguard for Motley Crue. That's a little bit cooler. I also noticed that they that they kind of weaved in just a little bit of like, you know, like, oh, he's a big, like, in the storyline-wise, he's like, Eddie, you hated me in Mexico. So at least it's just like, okay, that's something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And now, well, then again, maybe he had a, a career in, um, in Mexico doing music. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, I will say this. The crowd is pretty hot for this match. Yep. And Shaggy Tudope of the ICP is doing his absolute best to be a bump machine in the opening. And I got to say, ICP and Vampiro, they kind of hold their, ho- their own a little bit here. They really do. Honestly, Shaggy Tudope and Fi- Violent J aren't the worst wrestlers on this show, um, which is quite 
quite interesting and damning, but mm. they hold their own. That's not even a too much of a backhanded compliment. Vampiro is good here as well. Obviously, the filthy animals are all fantastic. Eddie Guerrero getting big chance. Um, mm. it, it's coming together more for Eddie because the look is matching his charisma now and his in-ring ability. He doesn't look how he did in early WCW, <laughs> where he, you know, in the white tights with the mustache. His hair's a bit greasier now. It's all really coming together. And he is the best wrestler in this match by a mile. Like as good as Kidman and Ray are, there really is something about Eddie Guerrero. He just gets better, you know, pretty much every year at this point. Mm. Vampiro is also really coming to his own in 1999. We're sort of seeing why he's sort of held in the the level of respect that we see nowadays. And Eddie and Vamp just have some hard-hitting sort of uh, striking and whatnot here. But it's funny, too, because there's a bit where it goes off the rails where Tony Schiavone mentions that he used to have his hair like Vampiro back in college. Oh, my and... God. That was my favorite bit of commentary because Bobby asked Tony if he'd ever wear his hair like Vampiro. That felt like a setup for an insult. And Tony is like, yeah, there was a time when I did. And then Mike Tenay follows it up and he doubles down. He's like, yep. It's like, I didn't have the side shape, but I had it like that. I had that, yeah. Where are the photos? It, I've Googled, can't find them. And it completely throws everyone else up because yeah. they sort of ignore the match and be like, you got to tell us more about this <laughs> yeah, hair, Tony. Tony Giovanni with the dreadlocks. I want to say it. That explains why he now has an earring too, like Tony Schiavone, just yeah. secretly a, an old hippie. Yeah, back in the day, his college days would be very much like, you know, he's like Frank the Tank in old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's actually like the ICP, as we mentioned, sort of bring their own here. And um, there's a little combo move that Shaggy Tudup and Vampiro do on Array Mysterio, on Kidman, sorry. It's all like a fireman's carry into a cutter that looks really awesome. I've never seen that happen before, but yeah, the ending is also kind of, I guess, a bit bit haphazard because Vampiro gets distracted by Eddie on the top rope. Uh, Eddie takes him out and Kidman finishes with a shooting star press with a win. And yeah, it, it sort of wraps up the feud there, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. They, the end is a little bit messy. Rey Mysterio is injured at the end of this match. You see the uh, officials and his partners carrying him out. Um, which is just crazy to think that in 1999, you know, there was talk of, oh, has Rey Mysterio injured his knee too many times? <laughs> Will he recover from all these knee injuries? And here we are in 2023. He's almost 50. And he he legitimately is one of the only guys his age who you can say hasn't lost a step. It is insane. Yeah, it's so crazy. But um, yeah, so the animals get the win. We then move on to a little WCW.com segment where... Perry Satin has some weird innuendo at the start of their cross, but then they all leave. Um, the poor Chad, what Chad, what's his last name? Chad, Chad Damiani, um, he's back. Yeah, <laughs> Chad Damiani's back again for another pay-per-view. But they leave him high and dry, and uh, that's about it. And we see highlights of Kaz Hayashi versus Lenny and Lodi. Mm. <laughs> Two stalwarts <laughs> of the Cruiserweight division. <laughs> Now we talk about, like I mentioned at the start, how WCW started off on such a high in '96 with uh with like Psychosis and the Luchadors and you know Chris Jericho coming up and Kidman to the with the rising the flock uh, when it comes to the cruiserweights and now we're left with Kaz Hayashi and Lenny Lenny who is the uh, the um, WCW cruiserweight championship some heavy boos for Lenny and Lodi 
I can't imagine why in 1999 those guys were getting such heavy booze. Mm, the West Hollywood Blondes, as they were kind of called sometimes. Was that an official name? Um, it, it it was retroactively because I think yeah. Lodi forced it in there because he carried the signs. Which is kind of funny. Um, man, there's a sign in the crowd just so anyone can try and figure out, you know, what the what they're trying to imply with this tag team here. There's a mm. sign that says Lenny for intern, Lodi for president. Yeah. So you can yeah. just put two and two together. <laughs> um, you know, boo them because they might be gay is 1999 in a nutshell, I suppose. Yeah. And just to emphasize just how, you know, homosexual these guys might be. And to be fair, they don't they don't do the Goldust route of the uh, questionable lifestyle or things <laughs> like that. They just ignore it, just like mm, well, you know, just whatever they do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like they're not Lenny allowed does, to. Yeah, yeah. Lenny does stuff like skipping over Kaz Hayashi quite literally during Irish whips and things like that. But so, no, I, I will say there are some big F word chants from the crowd. Ooh, yes, that the announcers kind of just try and brush over it was a different time but probably not a better one so here's the thing too um the crowd absolutely hates lenny for mm. obvious reasons it's kind of harlem heat at at hog wild 90 96 kind of vibes here but they don't get behind kaz hayashi it's just like we hate lenny and kaz is uh, i guess you're there yeah he's kind of there look he's a great wrestler kaz Hayashi's really good um, Lenny Lane is really good in this match too, just from a wrestling standpoint. The crowd, yeah, it's kind of weird because the crowd are into it just so they can boo Lenny, but they mm. don't care about either guy really. Um, it's they do pretty good moves. It's just these guys aren't over. Lenny mm. Lane is just a weird looking person. He looks like I don't know Chris Jericho and Lex Luger created <laughs> wrestlers that you know just didn't work out right. So as a the match I've written down here, the match isn't bad. It's just beige. Like mm. it's just it's just there. Um, there's a huge Liger bomb for the win, but Lodi um Lodi pops Lenny's uh leg on the bottom rope. Kaz is trying uh every single high flying superstar move, but <laughs> he really does come off like a bootleg Takamichinoku here. Yeah, which is bad to say, not just because they're Japanese, but that's how they booked these guys, you know, yeah. very similarly. Uh, maybe they thought that would work. It didn't. Um, and yeah. he even wears gear like Takamichi Noku as well. did have the similar tights and a similar <laughs> haircut. <laughs> Realistically, <laughs> I think you're allowed to point that out. Yeah, you get a front face slam by Lenny to get the win, and that's about it for that match. There's mm. not really much else to say. No. Nope. Uh, and then Mean Gene Oakland is here, and I, my first thing I've written down is why didn't he do the shield for the hotline? <laughs> uh, but he's out to interview Sting. And Sting isn't happy at Lex Luger. He says to stick his nose out of his business. Sting says a bit of, like, he rambles on a bit, but uh, wraps it up with his trademark, it's showtime. Sting's actually a really good talker, but he's just awful in this little segment. Yeah, why did they bring Sting out in front of the crowd to do this? He could have done this backstage. And, I have and no I, idea. I know what you mean. He's like a good talker usually, like, or he at least makes up for it by always being enthusiastic and into it yeah and this one is kind of rambling and you can tell he's just trying to figure out a way to get to and it's showtime like he's just mm. trying to work the sentence to make sense uh yeah. it's fine but it, yeah it just kind of ends on a weird note and he walks off yeah 
Yeah. So that leads us to our next match, which is the Revolution versus Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris, the fam, the first family. Um, the Revolution I noticed have very horrible overdubbed theme music. I don't have that awesome, beautiful people ripoff theme that they had in WCW. I thought Saturn was using that on a previous pay per view. Have they decided to dub over it only now? I reckon they've chosen to dub over it now. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, which, maybe which is, maybe they got a out. version that sounded more like the beautiful people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've written down here, this is a pretty 1990-esque, 1999-esque hardcore match. But here's the thing. I didn't care about Brian Nobbs in 1996, let alone 1999. He's got no business being in this match, especially with guys like the Revolution. It's just... It's an awful match. Uh, I, it's so easy to tune out of this one. I absolutely did tune out of this one. Yeah. I've got to be honest. I have virtually no notes on this. Dude, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing for this either. I was just like, what is happening? I really don't care. Uh, I've just um, written down, Hugh Morris gets no laughing matter, gets the win, forgettable match. Yeah. Um, it was terrible. Honestly, too, like, Brian Nobbs isn't the person I care least about in this match. I'll take him over Hugh Morris. <laughs> Hugh Morris, I cannot stand in any gimmick he had, any part of his career just annoys me. And him and Brian Nobbs, you know, it's a losing combination. Also, just for fun, you said Brian Nobbs doesn't belong in there with guys like the Revolution. Brian Nobbs was only 35 here. Wow. Mm. You're joking me. <laughs> no. wow. Let's just have a quick look at Dean Malenko. <laughs> Dean Malenko crazy. is five years older than him. Four years older than him, sorry. Tell you what, that's, the, that's that partying lifestyle for the nasty boys. <laughs> that's it. Shane <laughs> Douglas, the exact same age as Brian Nobbs. Wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Shane Douglas as well. Like It's funny how- He like, looked rough. Friend- yeah. <laughs> you can you can tell though that like Shane Douglas in all of these in this era of WCW is wrestling like yeah I knew it I finally made it to the big time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, look what was going on with the booking of the Revolution. We'll talk about it. That they yeah. all lose their matches here, and they're all going to be out of the company soon. What yeah. was going except on? For, except- Except for Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas didn't have the guts <laughs> to make the move <laughs> um, and was stuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird. Their booking tonight is so weird on this show. Why would you have Hugh Morris and Brian Nobbs beat anyone? Especially in 1999 when the revolution's like that, you know, we're not evolution, we're the revolution. They're they're the hot young talent in WCW. (laughs) But uh, hey, look, by that criteria, so is Brian Nobbs. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Um, Next up, it is Rick Steiner versus Perry Satin. And... Bobby Bobby the Brain Heenan does his absolute best on commentary to compare Rick Steiner as someone who's on the level of Goldberg. Yeah, he says before Goldberg, uh, Rick Steiner was the man and he was the toughest guy and he beat up more people, which I suppose is true in a way. But here in 1999, Rick, what are they doing? Where is Scott? Why are we watching Rick Steiner do what should be Scott Steiner doing it? Was Scott wow. injured? And yeah, Rick Steiner... Look, Rick Steiner was probably not even 40, but he was past his prime here. Certain guys just don't have it after a certain point. Rick Steiner, by the mid-90s, was it was all over. Yeah, once Scott Steiner joined the NWO, that was it for Rick. 
Sorry, it really was. Just... <laughs> Everything after that is an absolute just mess. Mm. Uh, now, the thing that really popped me as well was I love, because it's 1999, everyone's talking about the new millennium. Mm. Everyone <laughs> um, wants to be the star of the new millennium and <laughs> it's a new era and the revolution are going to carry it into the 2000s. Yeah. So Steiner is very much getting the upper hand in this bout. As you mentioned, like the revolution's really like, they're basically the job squad in this pay-per-view. Um, the thing that, that really st- stood out to me was all I was thinking as I'm watching it was just like, it's funny to think that now Rick Steiner is a real estate agent and Scott Steiner owns a restaurant. Mm, yeah. It, what a huge so, change for them. It's so bizarre. Um, What's Saturn, Saturn gets- doing? <laughs> What is he doing? Did he stop like? Didn't he like? He he had some weird thing where he like stopped a murder or something. Yeah, which is awesome. Like Perry Saturn, a a real hero. He like you know yeah. (laughs) Didn't he like put him in the rings of Saturn? (laughs) (laughs) Or am I just making that up? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Here we go. Um, trying to find it here. Um, Look, if this doesn't give you a good, yeah. Saturn was involved in a 2004 altercation with two men. When he came to the aid of a woman, they were in the process of sexually assaulting. He fought the men and was shot with a handgun in the back of the neck and in the right shoulder, to which he originally thought he received a punch, oh my God, as a result of the scuffle. After being shot, he became addicted to methamphetamines and was homeless for two and a half years. Wow. Well, that's that answers that question. But then he reemerged in 2020, 2010, having resolved his addiction. But good on him. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy uh, post um, post uh, career sort of uh, little by note there. But um, look, Saturn here has a, a a comeback against Rick Steiner. But it's amazing that just a couple of months ago, Scott, um, not Scott Steiner, sorry, Perry Saturn was so over like and he's feud with Raven and he's just cooled off so much here. Yeah, it's a real shame uh what happened with Saturn's career. You can see why he would have wanted to jump to WWE. Mm. Um and Rick Steiner just beats him clean, right? Like I didn't miss something. Yep. He just beats nah, him with a bulldog. Bulldog off the top uh, rope, but uh, and even after and Scott Steiner also kicks out of the Death Valley driver as well. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Steiner gets the win, and that's about that. As we cross to Mean Gene, and Hulk Hogan starts talking about uh, starts talking about how he won't stab Sting in the back, and we get at least one. Well, you know something, Mean Gene. <laughs> <laughs> he really, but, him and Sting both didn't plan their promos. It seems he was just just talking mm. about nothing. My favorite part of this is like somehow him like. Him putting on the red and yellow all of a sudden absolves him of all the sins of the past three years. <laughs> yep. It's all good now. Why is everyone not trusting him? You're all crazy for not trusting him. He basically says that. He goes like this. I, I'm different. Look, I'm wearing red and yellow. I swore on the red and yellow now. It's like, what does that even mean? You know what that means? He swore on the red and yellow because it means it's basically the uh, the same as swearing on the American flag. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember Sergeant right. Slaughter wasn't allowed to burn the American flag, so he burnt like the Hulkamania t-shirt. So it's basically <laughs> the same thing. Uh, we then get, after this little uh, segment with me and Gene, we get back to the desk again, and the commentary team recap Hulk Hogan, uh, his little spiel. 
We then find out that Buff Bagwell isn't here at the arena yet, and he's meant to be in a match with Berlin next. So Berlin comes out with uh, the wall with him, and uh, basically we're all pretending that we don't know that it's Alex Wright. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just it's just like, Some this is Berlin. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Berlin, it's Alex Wright with a stupid haircut and sideburns, <laughs> which connect to nothing. He's got a <laughs> yeah. little, um, like, Ronaldo little arrow haircut on his head completely mm. shaved bald on the sides and then two tiny short sideburns. The the arrow on his head too looks like the pin drop on like Google Maps like <laughs> it's one of those little arrows it's like it's like the direction um triangle in Grand Theft Auto that's how yeah. like defined it is. Um his opponent filling in for Buff Bagwell is Hacksaw Jim Duggan and mm. Mike Tanay says what is the biggest bit of hyperbole you'll ever hear which is this is just what the USA ordered. Yep, this is just what the USA ordered. And I will say, though, to be fair, Axel Jim Duggan gets a massive ovation. It's a huge pop. I know it's all cheap, but it's a huge pop. And they're totally, you know what? They're more into this match than any match on the card since the opener. Mm. Yeah, I put that uh, there too. Like there's the crowd is into this uh, heaps. Um, very, very big USA chance go around too. And also, did Buff just not want to do the job? What They don't really explain it. They're like, oh, Buff's not here. And then we see Buff later on and he's like, oh, I'm here. What happened to the format? Let me go out. Like, what? Yeah. Very it's, weird. It's, it's so odd. But uh, yeah, so uh, Berlin puts Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a sleeper hold. Duggan powers out. Berlin gets the win. And yeah, that's about it, really. The push of... Um, Berlin begins, but even though the wall gets over more eventually, mm-hmm. he is kind of sad. But then, as you mentioned, Buff Bagwell's arrived just in time to head to the ring for nothing. He goes to hug Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but Jim wants nothing of it. And we just go straight to a video package about Harlem yeah. hitting the West Texas Rednecks. It's so odd. The match is odd too. There's a part where I swear it turns into a shoot. Like yeah. Berlin tried something on Hacksaw and Hacksaw's like, nah, mate. And he gets him Not down with watch. like a legit wrestling takedown and sort of just shoves him away. And then they almost restart the match with like a hammerlock. The whole thing is odd. Um, Buff Bagwell coming out to hug Hacksaw and Hacksaw pushing him. And then they just cut away is odd. Everything is weird. The whole thing is weird. And yeah, you're right. The wall would get more over than Berlin, which is so funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's Harlem Heat versus the West Texas Rednecks next. And we see their feud, which also continued from Road Wild and Harlem Heat over as Rover. They are really, they're like, they're little nostalgia. It's funny because this is like their nostalgia run. Yeah, it is. It's um kind of the end for Stevie Ray being relevant. This is his last good run. Because then mm-hmm. we're going to see him with the new Harlem Heat, which oh, yeah. uh, which isn't good. Harlem Heat 2000, which was dubbed H2K. <laughs> Were they? I don't remember that. Yeah. 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 H2K with uh, with Stevie Ray and Big T, a.k.a. Ahmed Johnson. Mm-hmm. And they had a manager who I can't remember who it was. Didn't they bring back Clarence Mason just to yeah. sort of, yeah, redo the whole Nation of Domination vibe? But they didn't call him Clarence Mason. He was called something else. Oh, did he have a different name? All right. It's probably a shot on someone in WWE. We'll find yeah. out. Jerry yeah, Briscoe or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Harlem Heat is still over, as I said. Um, the West Texas Rednecks um, 
get their pay-per-view debut of their good old boys theme, which finally gets on board because they mentioned it at the pay-per-view last uh, last month, mm-hmm. but it was their old song. So um, there is loads of support for the crowd for Harlem Heat, which is surprising considering the fact it's Kurt Hennig and, um, you know, the Wyndham brothers, Kendall and Barry. Mm. Um, I've written down here that Barry Wyndham looks like Ricky Morton today. <laughs> Brothers versus brothers, Harlem Heat versus uh, Kendall and Barry Windham. I was so shocked by this because, you know, Barry Windham in the 80s and early 90s, he looked young. He was young, one of the best in-ring wrestlers. By the mid-90s, he just completely fell apart. And I was shocked to find out. I had a feeling Kendall was the younger brother, but Kendall looks older than Barry as well. Yeah. Kendall really is does. seven years younger than Barry. <laughs> that is, wow. They must have led some very different lifestyles that's, if that's the case. Family just ages wrong. Oh my God. That's, uh, that's, that's crazy. Kendall, um, Williams, so yeah. Kendall Wyndham is 32 here. Look, it, there must be something they're like, <laughs> That era of wrestlers, much because like you look at AJ Styles now in the <laughs> WWE. He, if you said to me he's thirty two, I'm like, yeah, that seems about right. Edge he's... is fifty two, and he looks better <laughs> than Kendall Win- Windermere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, there's very little of Booker T in this match. It's very much the Stevie Ray show. <laughs> yeah, Booker gets a couple of moments to shine. Booker T is so much better than everyone in this match, though. It's it's almost sad that it's, he's it's even criminal. in this match. It's criminal that he's just standing <laughs> on the apron for most of this. Yeah. Um, Henny gets involved by beating up Booker on the outside uh, while he gets tagged in. We get an axe hick and a spinneroony, but uh, Barry Windham uh, levels him here. Stevie Ray, uh, Stevie Ray actually does quite a bit here. Um, he takes on all of the rednecks and then takes out Kurt Hennig. Um, Kurt Hennig regroups, takes out CB Ray, but gets pinned. But the ref doesn't count it because he's looking at Booker T on the outside because Booker's the legal man. It's actually a very clever ending. I actually love the ending. There wasn't much to this match. It was short for the most part. It was just whatever. But the ending was so good and got the crowd absolutely hooked. And you know what? It got me to when mm. there was the shot with the bell or whatever and Stevie went down. I thought, oh, that's the ending. But no, you're right. Booker T was the legal man. So Booker hits the missile dropkick and the crowd goes apeshit. He gets mm-hmm. the pinfall and Harlem Heat win and the crowd goes nuts here. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's their ninth title win and uh, yeah, a very decent effort there from uh, Harlem Heat, which leads us to uh, Sid versus uh, Chris Benoit. Sid's stupid streak is continuing and he's the millennium man. And to quote him, he has no equal. Mm. Uh, he's billed at 79 and 0, which I don't quite know how that works, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, Sid also has some really awful generic creator wrestler theme dubbed over his original one on the binge uh, broadcast. Oh, okay. I was going to say, so are you telling me this wasn't his real music at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because this was so weird. He had like, yeah. So it was almost like um, music from an 80s action movie or something. It was yeah. like real updated like the credits. inspirational. Yeah, yeah, it's the credits yeah. to an 80s movie. <laughs> really weird. Okay, that's good that you cleared that up because I was confused. Yeah. Uh, it's also overdubbed music at GoGo because Chris Benoit also has uh, 
has different music because I guess he used to come out to the revolution, beautiful people kind of theme here. Um, Sid just absolutely powers over Chris Benoit in this match, launches him across the ring. He knocks Ben out, uh, Benoit out with a shoulder block. Benoit goes outside to regroup. Bobby calls Sid a big dog and Benoit is a fire hydrant. Yep. <laughs> He's a fire hydrant. And you know what dogs do to fire hydrants? <laughs> that's what he's implying i will say these guys are like almost opposites of each other you know sid is all it all it factor for whatever reason people just love sid and they're mm. drawn to him in every promotion he's got all this charisma maybe he's not the best in the ring chris benoit is the exact opposite of that and yeah, it's a funny vacuum, <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> he's anti-charisma for the most part of his career <laughs> Great in the ring. And I'll tell you what, it kind of works when they're in there together. I thought this match was as good as it could have been. Benoit did a really good job of, you know, trying to cut Sid down. Sid Mm. was there for everything. He did good reversals and like played to the crowd and whatever. Played the big monster. Benoit, the, you know, plucky underdog who won't won't stop coming at him. They do a nice German suplex bit. Um, Benoit does some submissions. He gets a good cross face on him. That was a fun spot. And Sid Towers up with him. That's really cool. There's also another cool spot too where Benoit gets Sid's leg and sort of sandwiches it in between the ring post on the outside and the stairs and then starts drop kicking Mm. the stairs to sort of take out Sid's leg because as you sort of mentioned, you know, he's trying to chop down the big tree here. Um, Yeah, that German suplex on Sid is really, really good too. Um, Benoit gets Sid in a clothes uh, crossface. Sid powers to his feet, as you mentioned, but falls over and managed to get his foot on the rope. So there's actually quite a bit of wrestling knowledge from uh, from Sid. It's probably one of the best matches that we've seen from Sid. Look, it, Sid works pretty good with smaller guys. We saw it with, you know, any, when he was in the ring, even in tag matches with like Owen Hart or Shawn Michaels or Bret Shawn Michaels, Hart. yeah. He could mm-hmm. go. His matches with Shawn especially. But him and Benoit, pretty good chariz- uh, chemistry as well. Mm. Um, we get a diving headbutt attempt, but Sid moves out of the way. Big powerbomb on Chris Benoit, and Sid is the new US champion. Tony says, and I quote, this isn't a cheap win. No. You're right, Tony. It's not. The bad guy just beat the good guy in the middle of the ring. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Every member of the revolution lost fairly. Yep. Yep. Clean as a sheet. Simple as that. It was just... uh... Shows you where they stand when they lost to Hugh Morris... Brian mm-hmm. Hobbs, Sid, and Rick Steiner. You can see yeah. why they all thought maybe we should see if we can go to <laughs> WWF. I, I love that. Like the thought process. Like WCF, like, look, do you want to be released from a co- Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just well, like, I think we might be fine over there. <laughs> yeah, jeez Louise. So next up, it is DDP versus Goldberg. We get ourselves a nice little recap with some highlights of Goldberg taking out the triad and DDP, but the numbers game gets back to him. DDP has cooled off so much since he was world champion. It's crazy. He really has. He doesn't feel like he was ever world champion. Um, He talks about, you know, what does he say? What's his new catchphrase? Love me or hate me, you'll never forget me. Because I'm the Something. best two-time champion. Mate, the guys in the main event are wrestling for their 10th and 9th world title. Being a two-time champ isn't impressive anymore. Now, 
Yeah, it's so weird how like there's so many people that had this little rise that we watched rise that have just been completely cut off at the feet here in this era of WCW. Mm-hmm. But um, DDP cuts a pre-match promo that doesn't really do much and Goldberg makes his trademark entrance. Um, Mickey J, before the match even starts, referee Mickey J finds a chain and a handful of quarters, like a little roll of quarters that gets confiscated from him. And they make such a big deal about it. Like the co- the commentary team, it's like, oh no, that's the game changer. I actually love that. That's one of those things you got to do every now and then in wrestling to sort of establish why these things happen, why these tropes exist. Because mm-hmm. we see the referee pat down wrestlers like they're meant to do that. They never find anything. I thought it was cool that he actually did find something and very cartoony, which is DDP's style. He felt like a roll of quarters just exploded out of him, like uh, Sonic hitting a spike and all the springs <laughs> yeah, falling out of him. Just <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I got to say, though, DDP seemed to bring out the best of Bill Goldberg. Mm. Like, like they have some incredible chemistry together, and uh, it's not your usual Goldberg sort of match. Like, um, DDP also grabs a mic and tells the fans to shut up. So he's really embracing this heel sort of thing. He then bails to the crowd, but Goldberg follows him. Um, Goldberg also reverses a diamond cutter, which is pretty cool. And, uh, DDP then pulls something out of his tights. It's brass knucks, isn't it? I thought it was, it was hard to see, but it, it must've been. Cause they don't really like, they don't make, it's, it's just like, he's taking something out of his tights. It's like, that's mm. your job as a cop. Tell us what he's done. <laughs> no, the commentators in WCW had a weird sort of rule that if they didn't see something or whatever, they would just call it as is like, mm. Oh, we don't know what that was. And they're like, Oh, was his shoulder really down? Like they, they point out things that it feel like a counterproductive sometimes. Yeah. It's so strange. Um, uh, DDP also like keeps pulling the brass knuckles out of his tights and nailing Goldberg with him. But Goldberg, true to Goldberg form, comes back from the dead and gets the upper upper hand uh, briefly on DDP and gives him a DDT. Then the numbers game, that dirty triad all come out. Um, but Canyon gets uh, Canyon nails him with something, but he just just powers out as well. Like Goldberg's just unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, but the triad come out. It doesn't make a difference. Goldberg takes them out. The crowd is going crazy for all of this, though. This is one of the most exciting matches on the show. Um, Mm. Goldberg and DDP, they have, like, good reversals. Everything looks really, you know, like a real struggle, like a real fight. It's good. The triad, though, just get taken out, and then it's just kind of, you know, what Goldberg would do. Spear, jackhammer, and it's over. It's Remember Bam Bam Bigelow? was meant to be this huge threat to Goldberg at the start of the year. Now he's just yeah. like another lackey running in and just getting might beat, as well be beat Virgil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's Virgil yeah. and Scott Norton running in. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, because it's a spear and a jackhammer ends it. It's not a bad match, but uh, it doesn't sort of reach the lofty heights they did at Halloween Havoc 98. Mm. No, not at all. So then after this, we get a ridiculous recap video of Sting versus Hogan. And it is all about trust. And you forget that this is like turn of the millennium. So like across the, across the street on on the Rory's War and, and SmackDown. I think SmackDown's on it uh, at this point in time, but I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, it must be because it's getting towards where the Bulldog's um, <laughs> about to make his return. But you have like, you know, The Rock and DX and like Kane and the rise of Kane and Triple H is making his, like, rise the main event. And here we have Sting, Lex Luger, 
and uh, Hulk Hogan. Like it's 1991. Doesn't matter. Hulk Hogan, still younger than Chris Jericho and Edge are right now. <laughs> 46. Mm. Young enough to main event a wrestling show right now. And this is all about trust. Who do you mm. trust? Who can you trust? Did you notice in the video recap, like, so they get, there's a bit where, um, for some reason, Macho Man is in the dressing room. Yeah. I, 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 why? Like, it, it, it doesn't even factor, like, you could remove that clip and it makes no difference. Like, He's nowhere on the show. No. So they bring Wasn't up the he world Man champion thing. like two months ago. Yeah. Uh, in now his feud with Kevin Nash. Yeah. Now he's not even on the show. Yeah. So literally two months ago, when we watched Bash of the Beach, that was the main event. Like in that in that weird tag match where anyone could win the world yeah. title. Yeah. And it was all about can you trust Sting? <laughs> yeah. Can you trust Sting? <laughs> what a Who trope. can you trust? <laughs> what about? My... Um, I, I want to say though, Michael Buffer on the introductions for the main event. I thought it was great because he said, welcome to Fall Brawl. Clearly, he doesn't care about the undercard. <laughs> the show's been on for two hours, mate. <laughs> Before we go into the Michael Buffer, can I also point out one of the most ridiculous bits of the of, of the TV? Um, so in the recap of Sting versus Hogan, there's a bit where Hogan and Sting, I guess, have a confrontation in Sting's locker room. And Lex Luger comes into the locker room. Then the lights go out. And Sting is taken out, hmm. and Lex Luger accuses Hulk Hogan of doing it, of taking out Sting. The commentary team is like, "Who just knocked out Sting?" And Hulk Hogan's like, "You're trying to set me up, brother." Yeah, <laughs> it couldn't get more like vaudeville if you yeah. uh, if you tried. But the uh... acting is hilarious. The funny thing about those scenes, I thought the acting was uh, funny too. Hulk Hogan is the one who tried having a movie career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you how it's done, guys. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever seen Thunder in Paradise? I've, I got this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. So, Michael Buffer, I've written down here, he's just all business today. He doesn't care about the, the mishmash beforehand. It's just let's just get straight to the ready to rumble and do a brief intro for each of these guys. Yeah, it doesn't so, give it his all. The only funny part he says that Sting is a man. Who you know doesn't associate with anyone? Oh, come on, he was in the Wolf Pack not long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you've mentioned before, Simon Hogan in trunks in 1999 is just so odd, and you can kind of see why when he goes back to red and yellow, um, they sort of just give him the Hollywood palette, but flip it with the red and yellow in WWE in 2002. So mm. Hogan and Sting are out, and then for for some reason, Bret Hart's music played. And Bret Hart comes out, and I've just written, why is he here? And at least he's got his new WCW music, the good one. He just comes out to say g'day to Hogan and then leaves. Yeah, he says good luck and walks off. And that's it. That's literally it. So The crowd barely knows it's him when his music hits because his music is so non-descript, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Hogan and Sting then just start wrestling like it's 1980s AWA. It's hammerlocks, arm bars, feats of strength, you know, the whole the whole wrestle clash kind of gear. It doesn't work when both guys are the face and both guys are meant to be doing this. The mm. the match is split in two halves. So the first half is Hogan doing all the babyface stuff. 
He does a schoolboy. He does a drop toe hold. It's kind of fun. It's always funny to watch Hogan do his technical wrestling because he can do it. He just chose mm. to never do it. So he yeah. sort of runs through like, you know, wrestling school day one sort of moveset just to show that he can. And then just, I can't even remember the reason why the momentum shifts. Then Sting just starts doing it. Oh, I mm. think he he hulks up, like he stings up and then just takes over on offense and runs through some of his moves yeah. with, with nothing happening. Basically, they just kill time until the run-ins. Neither guy wants to give anything or do anything. They just run through their basics. It's really weird. And it's so strange because, like, it's really like a paint-by-numbers match. It mm. spills onto the outside. Hogan chokes Sting with a TV cable, and then get back into the ring. Sting does the Stinger splashes, but uh, Hogan dodges the third and hulks up. So it's fully paint-by-numbers here. We get a big boot and the leg drop, and then it goes full WCW when DDP interferes and gives Hogan a diamond cutter. Uh, but then, not on my watch, Bret Hart comes out and takes out Diamond Dallas Page. Hogan and Sting keep fighting. And then Sid just decides, you know what? I want to be a part of this too, because mm -hmm. why not? Um, and then Lex Luger comes out and he's got a bat. He's got a baseball bat. And um, Hogan's pointing at Luger like, see, I told you. I told you you couldn't trust this guy. He's the one who knocked you out, Sting. But then Sting takes out Hogan with the bat and turns heel, wins the title. And Tony Schiavone is acting like, you know, like, like Sting just shot his dog. Yeah, I will say the ending was really fun when you had Luger in the corner, Hogan in the middle of the ring, and Sting standing there with the baseball bat. It was a great <laughs> shot by the cameraman, and the crowd was buying into it, and Hogan's going full over-the-top pantomime, like, oh, brother, oh, oh. And then it, yeah, like... what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but there's a moment where it slightly dawns on him that, oh, no, the fix is in, and he looks at them both <laughs> before Sting hits him. But you're right, um... Tony Schiavone is so outraged, like worse than when Hogan turned his back on WCW and he mm. told him to go to hell. Like Tony Hogan, is so angry. Hogan's like, oh no, kind of face is just emphasized so much by the giant handlebar mustache. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I think that's what it is because his face like drops down, his mouth sort of extends <laughs> like, oh. Like, oh my God, that's why he did it. He's a genius. The, the mouth... Plus the mustache exaggerates yeah. the facial expressions. That's why he was so good at that. Because I always love that face because Hogan always just looks like it's like, it's like he's just witnessed, you know, like, <laughs> like the challenger space shuttle explode <laughs> in midair. He acts so shocked and heartbroken. It's weird. Hulk Hogan isn't a good actor in terms of movies or whatever, but just in the realm of wrestling, he's the best actor. Mm. when it comes yeah. to selling pain and selling shock and dismay <laughs> it's the right type of acting for wrestling I, I will say i thought it was hilarious that the crowd cheered sting so much for cheating and winning because this this was really the revenge for sting finally not him yep. winning the title when it didn't matter anymore a year ago after getting yep. screwed at at starcade and even that title match didn't matter this felt cathartic like no i'm gonna hit you with a baseball bat and i'm gonna cheat to beat you and the crowd cheered him because lex and sting were screwed over how many times by hogan yeah yeah it's 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 just amazing but uh and then the pay-per-view just cuts oh it's it just cuts done. so quick we see nothing they're like oh what's gonna happen on nitro and they're gone 
and it's just done and dusted. But yeah, that wraps up Fall Brawl 1999. It's going to be hard to pick an MVP here because, but I'm just going to say, I, I thought the match that I enjoyed the most was surprisingly the Harlem Heat and West Texas Rednecks. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was better than it. There was a few matches that were all like, yeah, yeah okay. You know, DDP and Goldberg, um, Sid and and Benoit, I guess, the opening six-man. Yeah, Booker T's match. I mean, whatever. We'll give it to Booker T again just because it's been a while yeah. and he got one of the biggest pops of the night for winning a match. And because it's probably the only memorable thing on there. Like, there, <laughs> there's very little highlights in WCW 99 and this main event is just bonkers crazy. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of sums up WCW. Like we're really limping towards, I think Vince Russo, can't, there's one more non-Russo pay-per-view and then they do the big reset at um, Mayhem? Yeah, so, yeah I think so. Or New Blood Rising. Oh no, that's the next reset. Yeah, because yeah, because next one's Halloween Havoc because it's the October pay-per-view. Hmm. And then we get Mayhem. Yeah, I know this part of WCW, my memory is not good at all. Mm. yeah i think that's the case and uh, everything from this point on i can't wait to watch because i have no recollection yeah you trust me you're not missing much yeah because this this is sort of the last of the uh like 10 pole wcw um events because after this it's just basically starcade that remains because you don't have uh world war three oh, that's bash what, at that's, the beach you have though bash at the beach you have yeah that's true um but there's no oh you have sold out as well but mm. sold out's replaced the following year by either sin or greed i can't remember yeah and <laughs> then the whole promotion is replaced yeah yeah it's funny because like 2001 the last three pay-per-views of wcw's existence are actually pretty good pay-per-views yeah oh well i can't wait for that <laughs> <laughs> they're also they also seem like 1999 era evolve shows because it's got like above average mike sanders and chuck palumbo <laughs> and all of these all of these guys from the power plant that have just been pushed up because everyone else has gone yeah i'm done mm. But yeah, that wraps up uh, Fall Brawl 1999. Thanks for coming along on the ride because 1999 WCW is just going to be insane. Um, we've got Unforgiven 1999 for the WWF coming up next. But if you would like to go through the entire back catalog, jump onto greywolfentertainment.net and check it out. Greywolf ENT on the socials if you'd like to follow us and see when our next episode is out. But uh, on behalf of Simon Tackler, I've been Nims Azor, and this has been Reliving the War. We'll catch you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.